Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Moss. In this episode, you'll hear an interview I recorded a few days ago with Sarah Risser, a local traffic safety advocate whose latest project is erecting signs at locations where people have died in traffic crashes. Uh, as you'll learn in this interview, uh, Sarah is unfortunately the member of a group called Families for Safe Streets, which helps uh, families that have lost loved ones in traffic crashes to advocate and push for safer streets. I wanted to talk to Sarah for a variety of reasons, uh, partly because she is doing this uh, road sign project and just because I think her perspective on road safety is one that I think folks can never hear enough of actually. The seriousness that she approaches the topic and just the framing that she brings to this as somebody who's been uh, impacted by it at such a personal level. Uh, I'm also intrigued at how she is, how she has turned her own personal tragedy into uh, such important advocacy work and she's been at it for four or five years now and is still seems to be going strong. So I really admire uh, when people can have that courage. So without further ado, here is my conversation with uh, road safety advocate, Sarah Risser. Welcome, Sarah, and thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be here. It doesn't feel right for me to begin this interview without hearing the story about your son, Henry. And I just wonder mm -hmm. if you'd be willing to share that story with us. I lost Henry in a, in a crash um, in 2019. So Henry was just home from his first semester at college. He was at Bowdoin College in Maine. And he came home for his winter break. And it was just a really joyful time that we were having with our family. He was so happy. Everything was going well. He was just everything was falling into place in his life. So he was doing well academically and he was growing competitively and having so much fun with his teammates. And he had just fallen in love and he had a girlfriend who had come to visit us and they went up north and went skiing together in Minnesota. And he was really keen to start Nordic skiing as cross training for his rowing. So we got skis and we got in the car because there wasn't much snow in the Twin Cities. And we were driving across um, Wisconsin on our way to the upper peninsula of Michigan when a driver who was very clearly negligent and reckless in many ways that I could list um, crossed the center line and hit our vehicle head on. Henry was behind the wheel, he was driving and he took, um, he took the entire impact. So Henry, he, Henry died at the scene and I was in the passenger seat and I had my suite of injuries, but of course I survived. So it was quite, quite an injustice, uh, and just heartbreaking, beautiful, beautiful young man, just coming into his own. And I think, you know, one thing I'd like to say about Henry and other people have said this about him, he really approached his life with joyful enthusiasm. He was motivated and he accomplished a lot and he did it with such joy in his heart. So it's, it was such a, any, any road fatality is a tremendous loss. I, I mean, mine no more than anyone else's. They're all horrifically tragic. And I think one thing that makes them particularly tragic is the knowledge that it didn't have to happen. It was preventable. It, he, sh he shouldn't have lost his, his life in Wisconsin. So sorry to hear about that. I know that, um, well, I don't know, but I would 
can only assume that uh, Henry would be really proud of how you've turned his life and motivation that he had, and you've been so motivated, and the work that you're doing is so has been so impactful for the last five years. Uh, I think I started following you on on Twitter before you were doing volunteering with uh, with Bike Loud PDX. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really appreciate you doing that work and also sharing Henry's story uh, with me here. You weren't. You weren't always a an activist in this space, of course. Uh, this crash really radicalized you and made you see the world differently, right? I wonder if you can tell me yeah. how how yeah. what happened to Henry and, and you on that road made you see things yeah. differently. I would say that I think we're all conditioned to shrug off road fatalities. We grow up in this culture that's so dominated by cars and car culture, and I think we all... Um, have been conditioned throughout our lives to think that this is just an unfortunate accident. And I don't mean to be too dramatic, but these are really violent fatalities. They're, they're hugely violent and hugely traumatic for the family. Um, I think after the crash in which Henry was killed, I really began to notice, first of all, I had some PTSD about being on the road. So it was very hard for me in those first months after being in such a severe crash to actually be in a vehicle. It was very stressful. And shortly after that, I began to notice how it is just impossible to get away from motor vehicles pretty much in any city in the United States. You know, walking around Minneapolis, St. Paul, where I was living at the time, you know, every time I came to an intersection, I had to stop and wait. And, you know, then noticing how many cars were parked on the road and how difficult it was to get away from cars. But I'd like to also add that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, this is a great way to manage your your grief. And to a point it is. But I think I really became... um, motivated to be an advocate because I fully realized how severe the problem is and how overlooked it is by so many elected leaders, by so many even safety professionals. And I began to call it our country's biggest blind spot. And so I'm really motivated more now that I'm, I'm really aware of this problem, of the scope of this problem. And if you could, I, I don't, think it's fair necessarily for people, even in our community, to only see you as a survivor, as Henry's mom, which is your your Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's an important part of your story. It is an important part of your life, yeah. obviously. But can you just tell me what what did you do? What do you do uh, when you're not doing road safety activism? Uh, yeah. You know, was there something that were you involved in any other kind of advocacy beforehand? I have a degree in environmental management, a master's degree, and I worked in that space for a while. Um, I've done a few different things throughout my life, but here I am right now, and I devote a lot of time to road safety, road safety advocacy. But in addition to that, I, I'm a competitive rower. I love that. That brings me a huge amount of joy. I row with the Willamette Rowing Club on, on the Willamette, and I'm down multiple times a week. We travel together. We race I also love photography. I love birds and birding. Um, 
And so I feel I really try to balance the hard work of road advocacy, which can be a little bit triggering at times with other things that just bring me great joy. I've also joined a little improv group. We do street theater. It's, you know, so I, I really make a concerted effort um, to find um, places where I can be joyful to balance out the hard work of road advocacy. Yeah, I appreciate that. One thing that I related to that you wrote recently uh, on a site called Grappling with Grief is when you said, once you said, quote, once I began to see how much we've sacrificed uh, to our auto-centric lifestyle, I couldn't unsee it. And, you know, as someone who's been around this work for quite some time, uh, I can definitely, you know, uh, just relate to that part of how you see things in terms of just constantly, even when I am trying to do other things and things that are bringing me joy or outside work, let's say, uh, you can't not see all these things that are happening. And I wanted to just kind of go back to something a lot more recent, as in yesterday, when you were Mm -hmm. out uh, on Southeast Belmont, uh, you started this project uh, with the, with partnership from Bike Loud and, and Oregon Walks and the Street Trust and Families for Safe Streets, uh, some great nonprofits doing work for road safety advocacy. You started this project for road sign memorials uh, or memorial road signs, I should say. And uh, just yesterday, you installed another one uh, over on Southeast Belmont where a man was hit and killed while he was sitting on his bike in the bike lane. Uh, can you tell me uh, what that scene was like and, and, and how people reacted to you being out there? Yeah, so I, I went to install the sign and there weren't a lot of people around. Um, it was probably about two o'clock in the afternoon. But I did run into two women who work professionally with the homeless community and spend a lot of time right there where the crash happened. And they looked at me initially with a little bit of suspicion because they hadn't seen the sign. And I think they thought I was there to put up something about you are not allowed to camp here. Um, And they went over and they looked at the sign and they really um, expressed a a lot of gratitude, a fair amount of emotion. Um, They thanked me repeatedly for putting up the sign and for drawing attention to the, to the issue. Um, and then they shared with me that the community is in a lot of pain. And so, you know, it was really touching. And I have had this experience twice. Usually when I go to put up a sign, I'm just there by myself, um, putting up the sign, but there was another situation, um, recently where a motorcyclist had crashed and I just happened to be there. It was a coincidence when the family members showed up to put flowers and they also expressed a huge amount of gratitude and, um, said to me that they really, agree that we need to focus on safety, that we really need to draw attention to this issue and they want safe roads. And in, in this uh, this memorial road sign work, how many signs have you placed so far? I think I've I think I've placed 13 signs and I did mm. place one for the cyclist who was killed in 2023. I went back to that site. We, as you know, we put in a ghost bike there and then I went back and I put a sign up across the street um, at that site. And then I've done every fatality so far this year with the exception of one on Marine Drive, which will be done. It just hasn't as yet. So I think the total is 13 right now. Yeah, that's really that's really important work to recognize those locations. I think folks are probably really familiar more so with the the idea of a ghost bike, 
uh, that's something that's sort of been in the bike culture for, for years. But this idea of putting up really clear signs, I'll share the graphic, of course, with folks, but um, the really nicely done design uh, just says basically what, like, my our neighbor was killed here, I think, is the, the text on the signs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I really appreciate having that clarity. And there's also a, a link, uh, like a QR code, right, so people can get more yeah. resources and sort of right. plug in a little bit, right? That's mm-hmm. really... Yeah, that's really good. important. Yeah. I wonder, um, I guess, you, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add on to that, that, you know, when I first put the first few signs up, I was really struck, um, that there, these crashes are happening all over Portland. Mm-hmm. And of course there are high crash corridors, uh, without question, um, Marine drive, 82nd Sandy. There are some locations where it's, clear that we're going to see more crashes than others. But I was really struck that every district in Portland has suffered a fatality. Um, It can happen anywhere as long as we're not fully controlling speed um, of vehicles. And you took this message uh, to the National Bike Summit in D.C. last year, right? Can you share something from that trip, like what you did at the summit and what you took away from yeah. that? Um, so I did I did attend the bike summit. So Dan Langenkamp had um, actually funded a number of people from different places around the country who had lost loved ones to go to D.C. and to lobby, to add, to add a little bit of heft to the lobbying um, ask. So the um and he sorry he he's the he sorry he he's the husband of uh, right a woman who worked for the u.s embassy that was that was killed that's in a, right while um, biking that's either he and i i apologize for not knowing either he or his wife was a diplomat and they were recently mm-hmm. back and the irony is they were called back because um the decision was it was unsafe where they were um stationed so they were called back to dc and then Shortly thereafter, his wife um, was killed riding her bike. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, a group of people from Families for Safe Streets went to the conference and we joined. I joined the Minnesota con- contingent and we went mm-hmm. and we we lobbied. We were talking primarily about um, truck underride. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were talking about this issue in D.C., and it was a it was a great opportunity for me to be there. And and you're originally from Minnesota, right? And you you moved to Portland yeah. more recently, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's okay, cool. right. I've spent most of my life in Minnesota. Yeah. I was like, you said you're with the Minnesota contingent. I was like, wait, wait, what? Wrong team, Sarah. Wrong team. Um, yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. Um, did you know that uh, in, in 2007, there was actually a bill drafted down in Salem, uh, to have roadside memorials be erected for bike mm-hmm. and walking victims uh, by the by ODOT, it would have directed ODOT to erect these signs. Of course, with permission from the families, uh, it was a mm-hmm. lawmaker who was doing it sort of on behalf of a constituent. He was calling it Eric's Law after a guy named Eric Kotsky who was killed while bicycling in Washington County in 2005. I I, I came across that and just sort of thinking about talking to you because I covered it at the time, and I just wondered if you think that the road sign project that you're doing on is something that is better suited in like citizen activist hands or something that you think the the state should get or like a road agency should get involved in doing 
Oh boy, that's a question I almost want to put a pin in and come back to. I haven't given thought to that. And I don't know if I'm prepared to fully answer that. I think, um, you know, we did this project motivated really for two reasons. One, to draw awareness to the issue. We really wanted people to to see how widespread this issue is in the city of Portland. And the hope really was, you know, an individual might see a sign saying Southeast Belmont and then see another one on NATO Parkway and then begin to realize, yeah, this is really a big issue. Um, also, we wanted to give people an opportunity to plug in if they were interested in learning more about the issue or advocating for the issue in any way. And so in that regard, I think having advocates, um, I think having advocates uh, take charge of the project, I think is pretty good. I would love to see support um, from the state in terms of funding, um, maybe mm. also in terms of making information available to the public in terms of visualizations so people can better understand how widespread the issue is. Mm, interesting. So maybe more administrative or funding support, but actually erecting it is probably best to stay with advocates. Yeah. I, um, I, I appreciate that. Um, oh, I wanted to, before, before I let you go here, I wanted to ask, can you tell me a little bit about your, your e-bike? You've had it for a few years. I just wonder, uh, you know, what that's been like settling into that and what your experience has been riding your e-bike around. Oh, well, thank you for that. So I, um, I am on the board of Bike Loud, and I'm not speaking for Bike Loud, but just it's, I, I would like to mention that because I think of all the people who are members and on the board, I'm probably the one who is the most tentative to get out there and bike. Um, I'm always happy to be on my bike, but I always feel very nervous before getting on my bike. I'm just mm. being forthright with you. And so I have been, I have been riding a van move. <laughs> Mm. which actually my husband bought. And then I wanted to get another and I thought, no, no, I'm not going to waste the money. We have this van Moof. Um, and it's been fun to ride, but it is a quirky design. It'll shift for me. Um, and so I'm getting used to that, but like, I on, like it's, that, it's supposed to shift for you or is that a, is that a, a yeah, fluke or I mean, is you it, can it's supposed to ride it? Yeah. 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 So mm. when you get it, the, the settings are, it's going to decide when you need to shift gears. And that's something that mm. I don't love. I like to have control. I think it's, possible to override that i just haven't gotten there to figure that out but um i'm okay. about to buy a new i'm about to buy a new e-bike and i'm just super excited about it and now that we're coming to spring i really am hoping that i can leave my car behind nearly 100 percent of the time we'll see if i'm successful but i'm that's my goal yeah. and that's what i would like to do yeah so hopefully uh, there may be some more opportunities for for birding you can stow your yeah. your camera in on your yeah. on a bike bag maybe and, and get some oh, get some absolutely. shots out on this the spring water or up on the columbia slough path or something yes and that is something that i did quite a lot when i was living in minnesota at the time i had a rad power bike e-bike mm. and i would put my camera bag in the back and off i'd go it was so joyful and find beautiful birding spots and it was all the things that i loved combined and i'm really hoping to do that again this spring cool that's yeah. good to hear that we have something to look forward to as I look outside in the cold drizzle again. So, um, Sarah, I, I appreciate you talking with me today and sharing the work that you're doing and also the, the story of Henry. And I, I really admire your courage and strength in continuing to do this work. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for letting me speak and be on your show today. I really appreciate that. 
That was road safety advocate Sarah Risser. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please make sure to subscribe and leave a comment and tell your friends about it uh, and make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Really appreciate all of your support. If you are not a paid subscriber of Bike Portland yet, please become one today at bikeportland.org support and find out how you can be a part of what we're doing here and pay a little bit in to keep it thriving and surviving. I also want to thank Brock Didis of Sprocket Podcast fame for our wonderful new theme music. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, we'll see you in the streets.